today I want to talk about critical friends protocol and how we can use this in our graduate level work as we collaborate with others and discuss the various topics and projects that we work on as graduate students. And when you look at the Critical Friends Protocol, what you're doing is you're adding in place that collaboration among friends. And the key for this uh, friendship, the key to collaboration and to really moving forward is that trust issue, uh, making sure that we trust those that we work with. And this particular protocol has uh, been studied and used in terms of how um, it can better help adults as they're learning. And so we often call that uh, andragogy and an andragogical way of looking at how we learn as adults. And so I want to look at that and see if um, this may be something that is interesting for us to use at uh, UWI, especially in our UDL course. And we, when we look at critical friends model, the, the critical friend model, and, and it's the required reading that we have for module three, I noticed the term um, rich Socratic dialogue. One of the things that I've heard in my life is if you are the smartest person in the room, you need to change rooms. What does that mean? Well, when we think about that term, it, you know, if I am the smartest person in the room, can I grow anymore? Probably not. And so as we're looking at... <clears throat> Uh, embracing collaborative work, we need to find ways that we are all equally um, open to learning and that we don't feel like when we walk into the classroom that we know everything. Therefore, no one can offer us feedback. No one can help us. Uh, We have attained all that we need. So that critical friend model is there to help you to... um, provide you with some challenging questions. Um, One of the things that I like to use with our peer responses is um, the questioning part. And I look at that from a Socratic standpoint. We don't want to question a person's intellect or their ability to think. But what we do want to question is where can we take what we know to the next level? Where do we go from here? What can we do next? You know, we, we should never feel like like, well, we're there. We're done. We, we need nothing else to learn. And so as we question each other, it's not so much questioning the person and what the person has offered, but it's questioning what do we do with that information? What can we add to it? What can we connect? How does it work within the parameters of our current learning model? You know, where do we go from here? And so Socratic dialogue, it it is dependent upon trust. It's open and it's honest. 
and it is uh, it, it's looked to add as adding that challenging component. Whatever we say, we should want someone to challenge us to take it to the next level. Whatever we feel we've acquired or we've learned, we should want to better that. And we can do that through uh, having friends that are, are uh, critical in the terms of providing critique, critical in the terms of challenging us to go deeper, dig deeper. Um, you know, we, we haven't reached that ultimate point. And so that's kind of what we want to look at here with the Critical Friends Protocol. I like this article. Uh, first of all, it talks about the uh, history of um, <clears throat> andragogy and how that it started in Europe and it has slowly made its way into North America and I guess, of course, other parts of the world by now, uh, wherever it may have been taught. But it's it's looking at how adults learn versus how maybe children learn as they're just growing. And it's a very different mindset, a very different way. Um, we know adults are more motivated to learn when they have their own needs and interests met. And, and it is a life-centered learning process for most of them. Uh, experience helps them learn faster, and that's better. Gives them a background and, uh, I guess, a foundation for learning that students of younger ages do not have. And adults like to be self-directed. They don't like, uh, for the most part, uh, adults don't care for that authoritarian over them, forcing them and telling them what they must and uh, must learn and must uh, accomplish. So. Adults tend to be very self-directed. Now, they also want to know why they're having to learn it. Um, they're responsible for their own decisions, so they like that that often um, the, the ability to think for themselves. Um, autonomy is the word I'm looking for, not authenticity. But they, they want that autonomy. They want the ability to think and to do for themselves. And they have this, this deep need to be treated as capable of making those decisions. And so as as you're looking at older adults and you're looking at, at people in graduate school, the way you teach, the way you promote information to them, the way you uh, guide them in the different activities that they must um, complete, it's always better when you give them as much autonomy as you can. Now, we know that there are certain guidelines that are just set in place just simply because that's just what has to be done to have a finished product. That doesn't take away from the autonomy of the student to write in, in the way he or she wants to. A lot of times we feel like well, they've given me a word count, or they've told me how many um, sources I must use, or they've told me a specific way I must, uh, you know, write my paper. Therefore, they're controlling me. Well, that's not necessarily true. It, it is a guideline. It is what we're telling people that we have to follow. But that's set in place by by the the environment of itself. When you're in research, there's certain guidelines and protocols you have to use, and we can't always tweak or, or throw that out or decide, hey, I don't want to do 
do it that way. I want to do it my own freestyle. You know, I want to write without using capital letters or, or whatever. Um, no, no, there, there's a process and there's a way that we still have to focus on and follow. But that doesn't take away your autonomy. Um, I think a lot of times folks get confused of what t- autonomy really means in, in, in terms of, of, of doing projects and, and lessons and papers and, and different things that we have to do as, as students and, and even as instructors. There's a process that we all have to follow. Uh, that doesn't take away the autonomy of our learning, though. And so we need to make sure that as we're moving forward, uh, when you are given guidelines and when you are given parameters to use, as adults, yes, as much as we don't like them, they're still necessary, but that doesn't take away our autonomy. And so I want students to always know what you write, what you use for that 500 word count, what uh, references you decide to use within the parameters of even that. I know peer reviewed, less than five years. I know you hear those things over and over, but why is that? Why are we giving those parameters? Because if we didn't, if we wasn't providing that critical friend critique, if we wasn't setting up some things in place, um, it wouldn't hit the mark, and therefore you would not be as as well versed as you need to be as a graduate student. You wouldn't have that underpinning of understanding that you need to teach others, to research, to to inquire, to move forward with new ideas. So, part of being a critical friend is letting you know, letting your friends know, letting your peers know there is a certain standard that we all must follow, and that's part of it. And as much as we like to be unique, as much as we like to add to, uh, to do what we want to do, there still is a standard. And part of being a critical friend is, is saying, hey, did we meet the standard? Did we do what we were supposed to do in terms of building that foundation for others to follow? But that's not all of critical friendship. Critical friendship it fosters community and collaboration among each other. It also will enhance your professionalism. And then we hope that it has the potential to change the way we think, all of us, and that we have the potential to change the way we learn. And if, if that's not true, then maybe we, we miss the point altogether. But there are, are three um, three situations that the protocol that was used in our uh, article talked about. And first of all, it was the peer observation, then looking at artifacts, and then finally um, consulting um, the, on the issue at hand. As we look at what we're going to do in UDL, when we get to the part of looking at our modules, having our peers review them, we should use a similar setup where, okay, first of all, I'm going to, you know, if, if I'm reviewing your module, I will go in and look at it. That, that's the first thing I'm going to observe. I'm going to see what's there. And then looking at each artifact, how can it be refined? What guidance could I offer that would make it better? Um, that's that critique, that Socratic thinking and challenging that we want to look at. How can we make things better? And then, you know, the instructional issue. Are there things that we could have done that would have uh, been able to even take our learning experience to our heightened um, process? Maybe even a new idea. Maybe we come up with something that, that no one's even thought about in terms of online learning. So 
we can definitely use this article as we're looking at our own uh, peer reviewing, <clears throat> as well as providing that critique and that collaboration with each other. The main word that keeps coming back to me, though, as I look through this article is trust. <coughs> you have to be able to trust each other. It is a key element. You have to know that the people that you work with, the people that you're talking to, and that's why it's important to pick your reviewers carefully. You you don't want to get someone on your team who's out to get you. Although I will say in my lifetime, I've had that happen not by choice, but because that's what happens in the world. And usually when those kinds of people do come into my life, they usually make me better, whether they wanted to or not. They usually make me dig deeper. They make me look, you know, introspect fully more. What what can I change about myself? Uh, How can I learn more? How can I rise above what they're, expectation of me was or what their their idea of who I am how can I prove to them that that's not the person that I am or that's not the level of work that I can accomplish and so Yes, I was I was thinking uh, just last night about s- so many different areas of my personal life where I've had people come into them and it's it, there's an old um, there's an old scripture and I and I don't know exactly where it is at the moment but it, it has the words as iron sharpeneth iron you know there's many times and I'm going to take it out of context a little bit here but there's many times when I have met up with people who yeah. They sharpened me. Now, they probably didn't mean to. That probably wasn't their intent. But they definitely sharpened me because their critique of me made me dig deeper, uh, want to show more, want to prove myself. But at the but the really the context of the actual scripture that I'm referring to, it says, "As iron sharpen, sharpeneth iron, so doth the counsel of a friend." So in this particular situation, here we are. We're, we're each other's friends. We're colleagues. We're comrades. We're collaborators. We're working together cooperatively. We have a mutual respect for each other. We should be able to sharpen each other. I, I would be a horrible friend if I knew that someone was doing something that um, wasn't bet, its best, and I knew that with just a little work and with a little bit of concentration and maybe intention, uh, my friend could have a better product. What kind of friend would I be if I didn't rec- make those recommendations? And so when you pick your peer reviewers, you know, pick someone that's going to be honest with you, that's going to make you better. Uh, you don't want to be status quo. If you did, you would not be in a doctoral program. Uh, people who are in doctoral programs are not status quo people. You've already proven that you want to be above the cut. So embrace those that would critique you. Embrace those that would sharpen you as iron. Embrace those that would let you know you will have a better product, I believe, if you would consider this particular aspect or maybe another. So let's all be critical friends and let's do it to sharpen each other so that when we collectively go out into this world, people will look at the graduates from UE and just go, wow, we didn't expect that. And we can surprise them all. And that's one of the things that I love to do. I love when I work with schools. I always want my schools to be what we consider uh, here in the States, blue ribbon schools. I want my schools to be the best. I want my teachers to be the best. I want 
you know, the people around me to grow. You can't have that kind of success and environment when you don't want others to grow with you. So you have to share. You have to move forward. You have to build. You have to collaborate. And so as we're moving forward, I hope that we all do those things. And I know this is going to be great. So I look forward to hearing your comments and how you're going to select your critical friends and how we can use a similar protocol as we're moving forward developing our online instruction. Thanks so much.